This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. We're taking a different approach today, more of a roundtable discussion. I have with me two distinguished authors to discuss a new book they've written together titled On the Shoulders of Giants. It tells stories of 10 unsung heroes within quantum physics, engineering, and mathematics. My guests are Brian Linehan, the founder and chair of the Quantum Strategy Institute and the author of two seminal books on quantum and business, Quantum Boost, Using Quantum Computing to Supercharge Your Business, and Quantum Excellence, How Leading Companies Are Deploying the Transformational Technology. Kenna Hughes-Castleberry is a writer, podcaster, and science communicator. She currently works as a science communicator at Jilla and is the editor-in-chief of their journal, Light and Matter. She's also a freelance science journalist and writes for Inside Quantum Technology as a freelance staff editor. Their book, On the Shoulders of Giants, explains not only the current state of quantum computing, whether it be in industry or academia, but also shares some of the key theories and research within these fields in an accessible and engaging way. Worth noting is the fact that the majority of the subjects for this book come from a non-white male background offering new role models to inspire the next generation of the quantum workforce and encourage them to break out of current stereotypes. So welcome, Kenna and Brian. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for having us, Chris. I'm delighted you're here. So let's start by asking, you know, what were some of the motivations behind writing this book? Brian, can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, you start off with an easy one, Chris, because, you know, the genesis of this book was very much in just, you know, curiosity about uh, who the players were. We heard a lot about um, scientists like Einstein and Feynman and the activities of, you know, over a hundred years ago now in terms of laying down the foundations of quantum physics and quantum mechanics. But over time, we've seen these players who have are just so incredible stories. They uh, have leaped over incredible barriers just to get to um, you know, areas of quantum physics, mechanics, mathematics that deliver not only uh, of the 40s, 50s, 60s generations, but connect with those of today. Um, we even, uh, when I started to work on um, uh, these various sort of snippets or sub-stories on LinkedIn, telling about various different quantum giants of the past, and by the way, all of the people, all of the 10 heroes or giants in this book are past, um, we know there's so many pioneers that are out there today, but these, these this group that we've selected to talk about in the past. And I started to write about those, but quickly I found that you know there was a a need for somebody who was truly a storyteller who could weave the personal stories of these giants and their you know science based uh, histories into something much larger. And fortunately for me, I connected with probably one of the best science journalists in the world today, Kenneth Castleberry Hughes. Great. So once you decided to write it, now, Ken, I want to ask you, how did this collaboration process start? Did you get a phone call from Brian or a text or an email or how did that go? That is a 
A great question, Chris. Thank you so much for asking. Brian actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. We had already been decently, um, what do I want to say, well-connected because LinkedIn is such a small community for people interested in quantum. Um, so it was lovely to, to hear from him and to hear this idea that he had. And to Brian's point, the book that we have written is a storytelling book, right? It is all about individual stories and the theories that are built around this science, quantum physics, and how it has evolved over time. And so Brian approached me and said, I need a storyteller. I need somebody who can do the research, look into these individuals, write them as people, not just as historical figures, and to make the book engaging. And so we kind of went from there. We went back and forth on a few things. Um, you know, it was narrowing down the the original 10 people that, as Brian mentioned, there's a lot of people that we could have covered. And I'm sure both of us hope to cover in the future, perhaps with other books or other LinkedIn posts. So there's no shortage of people out there. But we really tried with this book to focus on um, unsung heroes within the field. As Brian mentioned, you know, so many people have written about Einstein or Feynman, but we really wanted to talk about other people who haven't yet really been adopted by the general public for this, uh, for this field and for their contributions. And we much rather wanted to pick people from all over the world who come from multiple backgrounds and multiple different ethnicities or socioeconomic classes, um, just to show people that anybody can come to this field and be successful. Oh, very exciting. What a, what a great story. I look forward to, to reading it for sure. Now, I know that you both do a lot of writing individually, and Brian, you've written several books uh, sort of as a singular author. Um, tell our listeners what it was like you know, working with a co-writer. Well, you're right. So this is uh, book number seven for me. Uh, this is the second book that I've actually co-written. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Deep Health, How to Use Artificial Intelligence to Live Longer and Healthier. It's been a great experience combining both individual writing and collaborative writing. Um, but one of the things you quickly learn where, as an author is your expertise and writing from your expertise. So, for example, you know, most of my career has been the intersection of, inter of uh, technology and business. Um, and that makes me a very practical writer. I look for ways to convey complex subjects in simple terms for practical use. But that's not what this book was about. This book was about inspiration. It was about finding ways to, you know, get readers at all levels, whether that be high school, college, university, um, you know, uh, early stage careers, um, to think about quantum in ways that, you know, um, are inspirational that they might want to try, um, spectroscopy, which is something that Kenna was very much involved in, you know, or areas of mathematics um, that, you know, work into quantum sensing or quantum communication. So for me, it was very much about uh, understanding my strengths and where I could find somebody who had the uh, very uh, complementary skills uh, in putting that into on paper in the old sense. Um, and that was very much Kenna. Yeah. And Kenna, what's your take? Because again, you do a lot of writing by yourself as well. Absolutely. I have a very different writing uh, 
what do I want to say, writing career than Brian, um, because I tend to focus on more of the human aspects um, of stories, such as the Women in Quantum series for Inside Quantum Technology um, and others. So I think to Brian's point, our skills were very complementary, which was really helpful because for me, starting the book, I was looking more at how do we write these people as people, right? Not as just this person lived in the past and here's a few facts about them, but here's a person, an actual person with conflicting attitudes, struggles, personal conflict, successes. How do you bring this person who may have been dead for, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of years or hundreds of years, how do you bring that person to life again? So it was very, very helpful to have Brian's perspective um, on each of the chapters and to say, well, I don't think we need this, or I think this is really fascinating, or for him to get just as excited as I did about something really interesting with each of our subjects that we covered, um, or the science that they covered too, I think is also absolutely fascinating. And so I think having the co-writer there to have this back and forth dialogue or to support each other or to kind of critique each other's perspectives or to, to hone in on our goals, right, for the book was really quite helpful. And, uh, and I would say absolutely, you know, the key to the success for this, for this book. If we were identical in terms of our backgrounds and, um, you know, writing habits and, and uh, approaches to audiences, I don't know we would have had the quality that, you know, we would have hoped for. But also just, you know, looking at you're, you're a, a fan of history, whether that be music or technology, I gather. I am and, for sure, <laughs> and uh, the people that Kenna brought forth, whether it's Al Khwarizmi or Gottfried Leibniz or some of the others, for me it was just so exciting because I saw how diverse these people were in their interests. You know, to see you on stage or in the production area with your with your bass, um, you know, yet being on the stage talking about very complex quantum topics, I'm in the same ilk in that I really enjoy diverse ideas. And what was great about this book and what I really think that readers will enjoy is that they're going to discover people in a very personal way uh, that, that Kenna has really brought together with so many diverse interests. So you mentioned a couple of the names, Brian. So... First of all, how did it be challenging to pick 10? And wondering, like, were there any surprises, you know, as a result of winnowing the list or whatever that you found no in researching this book? Can you share some of that with us? Yeah, no doubt, because uh, this is exactly where this complementary aspect comes in. My focus was very much on historical figures based on their list of accomplishments, uh, things that they have achieved, whether it's Nobel Prizes or near Nobel Prizes. But what Kenneth was able to do was bring in a couple of uh, people that um, came from her sphere of influence who were just as important. And I don't know if you want to talk about that, Kenna. Yeah, absolutely. So to Brian's point, I think Brian was looking more at the maybe results that people had come up with or, or the key discoveries to get to where we are today, right? So whether that's yeah. something like information theory or algorithms, um, things like that, which are extremely important for the quantum industry and so many other industries, right? And from my perspective, I looked at it more of how can we find people around the world who have yet to be talked about, but have just as important discoveries? 
And so one example I'll give, um, and this actually kind of works very well for International Women's Day, which is on March 8th, and this month, March, is Women's History Month, so it fits in quite nicely, is a scientist who works at or who worked at Jilla, where I currently work. Her name was Debbie Jin, and she worked on creating a new state of matter, which could be key for a platform for a quantum computer. And she actually built her work based off of Bose-Einstein condensates. And there were a couple Nobel Prize winners who helped mentor her and lead her in her research. Um, And it's great because one of our chapters is also on Bose, the Indian scientist. And not many people realize he's from India. Um, Not many people fully understand his contributions. So just to give an example, that was a really nice tie-in between those two chapters in the book where we were able to narrow down two scientists who had made incredible contributions to multiple fields, but had really not been discussed fully. Um, So I think Brian, again, brought that in as far as maybe the Bose idea. And then I kind of followed up with speaking about Debbie Jin. So in terms of the actual writing process, so thanks for sharing that. Which chapters would each of you say were the easiest and hardest to write and why? Maybe not a lot of information about somebody or a range of maybe biased perspective or... Well, um, I'll provide the caveat here, Chris. What we decided very early on was that we have a singular voice so that the person who's reading this book is going to be able to process the information um, with one style. And, um, you know, certainly based on her uh, experience with writing, her style, we quickly decided that Kenna was the right person. And by far, she did most of the interviews for this uh, for this book, if not all, um, to be able to create this uh, material. So I'll let her speak to that. Although I do want to know Brian's favorite chapter at some point. I, I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea of who it is, but I, I still would love to to see if I'm right or not. So I'll start with maybe the the easiest chapters to write are obviously the people we have the most information on. So somebody like Claude Shannon, who um, is his own interesting story in and of itself. He's a very reclusive scientist. At age 37, he introduced us to modern information theory. So things like moving information in bits as opposed to other sorts of data. Um, but, you know, he was also very famous for his time. He was in Vogue magazine and Time and Life. And he also unicycled and tinkered and made his own sort of machines Um, But you don't really hear about him, yet we do have so much information on him already. So that was quite an easy chapter to write, um, which was really nice. It was also a very fun chapter to write because, again, he's a very unique individual. As far as difficult chapters to write, I have kind of two different categories for difficult. The first one is a lack of information on individuals. Um, So you might think that would be the oldest uh, giant that we cover, Al-Kharizmi, you know, back in 800 BC or something. And that could be a fair statement, but we do have quite a bit of information on him already, which is very helpful. Um, But the hardest physicist or the hardest giant to write about in the book for lack of information was actually Pantar Siliban, who's from Indonesia. And I could only find about four or five actual papers or articles on him, and half of them had to be translated from Indonesian. 
So it was very difficult to be able to tell his story fully and to to do kind of that digging to find who he was and his, you know, his discoveries and his impact on people. And so thankfully, you know, we were able to tell his full story and be able to be one of the first to tell his story, but it was not an easy process. So, but the other difficult-esque category for writing, I think was more of the emotional difficulty, which was, you know, my processes, if I am going to write about a person, I want to get to know them as if, you know, we're friends or as if I could get coffee with them or as if I could answer, you know, what their favorite color is or something. And so if you get to that level of writing, you tend to get very emotionally attached to what you're writing about, which can make it very, very difficult for writing. And so I think the hardest chapter for me in that sense was actually writing Debbie Jen's chapter at the very end of the book, because not only did I speak with some of my colleagues here who are scientists who knew her, her husband still works here as a physicist, but her story while very inspiring, is also very, very sad. She passed away at age 47 of cancer. She left behind a daughter and a whole um, community of people who still, you know, research her, her work and use her work to advance a lot of science. But in writing that chapter, I can tell you, I, I broke down and cried. Like it was, <laughs> it was a hard process to write, but I think Brian, you'd probably agree with me. It turned out to be one of probably our most powerful chapters in the book because of yeah. that. And Chris, all I would say there is that what Kenneth just said um, is going to ta- help people who are reading our book to more readily consume it because there is that sort of personal emotional aspect. It's not intro to quantum computing 101. You know, this is very much the personal biographies, the personal stories of these individual giants. Yeah. And Brian, would you say, was there an easier chapter or a harder chapter? What, what would you say? Well, so I think, for example, the one on Gottfried Leibniz, you know, the 18th century philosopher, mathematician, you know, lots of data available on him, um, wide variety of interests. He was a, a peer of uh, uh, Newton. He was, uh, you know, um, proliferate. He was a cosmopolitan guy. He was involved in in politics. Uh, so there's a lot of documentation on him. So, um, you know, he of any of the chapters, I think, would probably be the way I would have written it. But, you know, again, the reader's going to get the benefit of getting that emotional impact uh, from Ken's influence. Uh, it seems, of course, all the people you profiled are amazing contributors to quantum information science. And not to put each of you on the spot, but yeah. just wondering if you have a favorite person in the book. Kenna, what about you? Uh, I would definitely say Debbie is up there for sure. But I have to also pick our other female giant, Betty Holberton, um, who was one of the first female modern computer engineers um, whose story really has yet to be told and is an absolutely fantastic individual and a total genius. Um, But I think it's also hard because it's like picking between children, right? All of the (laughs) chapters, I really enjoyed writing and I really enjoyed learning about the individuals. I think each of them in their own right could be a favorite. Um, But I think I will probably be biased and say the two female uh, subjects in our book are, are my top choices. Fair enough. I'm a fan of gender parity, so bravo for sure. Brian, what about you? 
Well, you know, I'll give you my second favorite, and that would be Claude Shannon. I mean, you know, just to see if you've ever seen his video where he programmed a mouse to solve a maze, you know, using, you know, early forms of artificial intelligence and learning, which is, you know, just the tip of the iceberg uh, in terms of Shannon. And he's so well known in the quantum industry. But I think my favorite was our first giant, Al Khwarizmi, you know, who um, lived in the Middle East and Persia in the 800 uh, common era. Uh, uh, he frequented the House of Wisdom at the time that, you know, the Middle East was the center of the known world um, and was doing some incredible things uh, 1,200 years ago. Um, so for me, that uh, the work that somebody's done, you know, over a millennium ago that's still relevant today just is so powerful. Amazing. Yeah, the, the people that, you know, we don't know about or that are, you know, comparatively obscure that again, back to the title of your book, you know, that laid the foundation for incredible science that's going on today. It's good to reflect on them. Uh, I want to ask you why you think this book is important. I mean, obviously you do because you put the time and energy and effort into putting it together, but from a meta perspective, what's your take? Brian, why don't you start? What, why do you think this book is important? Sure. I think two reasons come to my mind, timing and inspiration. So we know that quantum as a technology um, is fairly nascent. You know, we hear about the NISQ era, noisy intermediate scale quantum, where there is noise, there are errors. There's a, you know, uh, an evolution uh, to uh, quantum technology and sensing communication, cryptography, et cetera, that's really occurred in the last 10 years. And so what we're finding is that that audience is growing, but there's still that level of complexity around the technology that, you know, Ken and I try to um, uh, assuage, you know, on a daily basis. But we really thought that this would be the ideal time for um, a book like this in this industry. And, um, you know, I think that um, from my perspective, uh, it's almost an internal view where we look at um, those people who are either in the industry already, you know, peaking in themselves, uh, going to conferences, um, connected through LinkedIn or some other sort of mechanism. And uh, we have the good fortune that Kenna has, you know, a, a slightly different perspective. Um, yes, I would completely agree with Brian on all points. Um, I think timing and inspiration are very, very important for this, uh, for why now or why this book is important. But I think from my perspective, I have a couple other reasons for why this is important. I think first off, the industry is expanding, as Brian mentioned. Um, and so we really tried to highlight the people in this book as both coming from academia and industry because so many people do come from both of those places um, to fill this ecosystem. So we really didn't want this to just be all academics or just be all industry, but to mix the two. Um, and that was really helpful. But I think the other thing, as I mentioned before, is kind of the role model aspect too. As this industry expands, we get people from all across the world coming in and being interested and wanting to learn more about quantum. And so we're trying to offer this book as a way to say, hey, you do belong here. And not only that, but look at the people before you who might look like you, who might come from the same area you do, who might have similar roots um, that have already proven their own worth and success in this field. So we're really trying to offer that as well. Um, but as Brian mentioned as well, this, this subject is so technical, right? Quantum computing is extremely technical. And so it puts a lot of people off who don't have that technical background or who may not 
find the interest or time to learn that um, that technology or that science behind why this technology is so big and, and becoming bigger. So I think what we tried to do is by using those human stories, we're trying to explain the, the key concepts as well in a more digestible and interesting way so that people aren't put off as much or, or can relate to it better, perhaps is another way to say that. Broadly put, sort of the impact. So what do you think, maybe more broadly, what the impact of publishing this book will be? And we talked about sort of breaking stereotypes in my opening remarks, but I think uh, there's tremendous potential, right, for this to influence how people think about quantum, for workforce implications, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm going to suggest to you, Chris, that the word is innovation. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy doing in in the quantum space is linking two unlike ideas, you know, where, you know, you have, you know, quantum and traffic, for example, or quantum and solar panels. You know, how do these two things work together? Um, We have one chapter on a gentleman named Mark Reed from Yale, who's really the pioneer in quantum dots, and the potential impact that has on the solar panel industry and improvements there. In. So, you know, the, the, for me, there's a lot of potential for innovation where an individual who's reading um, one chapter on one giant and learning something about that individual's technology um, contribution and then moving on to another technology and all of a sudden seeing something that we ne- didn't necessarily see as a potential opportunity in the quantum space. So for me, I'm hoping that that's going to generate some incredible innovation. Great. Kenna, what about you? I'll say something a little bit different. Um, I think from a writer's perspective, especially looking at science communication and, and how can we accurately convey what's happening, right? It's so hard because quantum is at a very small level. We can't have a visual very easily. So we have to come up with different analogies or images or whatnot. So I think, again, we're trying to convey the, the science in a more digestible way. But I think also, to Bryant's point, we're trying to show that this technology has been here for a long, long time. And if you look through the book, you start to see pockets of where the the thinkers have kind of gathered around and created almost like a physics renaissance. So I'm thinking of the era of Einstein and Niels Bohr and Heisenberg um, and Pauli and all those thinkers, right? I think we try to showcase throughout the book that these pockets are still happening. I feel like we're kind of in one right now with quantum computing technology. Um, But we also showcase kind of the key institutes that have walked through um, our book as well. So somebody like NIST, which was the National Bureau of Standards for a long time, they feature quite heavily throughout our book, um, or the Institute of Advanced Study next to Princeton University. So I think we're trying to show you know, not only role models, not only conveying the science, but we're also trying to show who the key players have been throughout history and give people a better appreciation of how far this science has really come. So I want to take advantage of the fact that I have two astute thinkers around quantum in the podcast here. And I want to step away from the book kind of directly for a moment and give you a minute to, you know, share what your perspective is in the, you know, future looking aspirational, if you will. I want you to look into your crystal ball and, you know, give me your sense of where quantum-driven solutions writ large might be in three, five, maybe 10 years. And the idea is, you know, what kind of impact do you think this technology is going to have broadly on how we live and work? 
Brian, you want to start? Sure. You know, and I think this is where the grain of sand becomes the beach, Chris. You know, where things like uh, IQM uh, quantum computers, where they were selected to deliver equipment for the first Spanish quantum computer. That entity, that that ecosystem in Spain has, uh, as I was there in Madrid back in December, you know, um, a large number of experts, lots of activity. Uh, incredible to see that they're... Uh, gathering and taking that research and, you know, creating um, uh, really dynamic ecosystems. Similarly with uh, organizations like Quantum Brilliance that, you know, launch software suite that enables the exploration of applications with miniature quantum computers. What what possibilities does that create? Um, I have the uh, great opportunity coming up at the Economist Conference to talk about things like moonshots. You know, how might uh, quantum sensing, quantum image um, you know, areas of technology that are only just beginning uh, impact our ability to understand the body better and understand the impacts of uh, natural and, you know, med- uh, medications and how existing imaging can be moved so far forward. And then, you know, as well, you talked about, you know, in the future, um, you know, what does that mean in terms of um, you know, finding resources, whether that's oil and gas through imaging or, you know, um, creating communication networks that are increasingly secure. There's so much going on in so many uh, different quantum lanes, if you will, um, that it's a challenge to keep up to date with those things. Uh, but at the same time, exciting to see investments, resources, people moving into those areas. So frankly, an exciting time. Yeah. Kenna, what about you? What do you think the longer term impact might be at a meta level? That's an interesting question, Chris, because I know like Brian, we, you know, we both talked to multiple quantum companies in the industry. And I know like you, Chris, you also highlight key people in these companies. And I think first off, it's so exciting to see what's happening. And there's so many brilliant minds here who are really trying to create that technology of tomorrow, right? To solve some of our big problems, like Brian was mentioning earlier, kind of bringing two different things together um, to, to create success. I think it's really hard to say what is going to happen in the future, because as Brian said, you know, the grain of salt becomes the beach, which Brian, I'm definitely going to use that. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think I think to Brian's point, you know, it is there's multiple things happening. It's hard to predict what's going on. Um, but it is really exciting to see already some of the the key applications that people are targeting, like drug discovery, um, you know, things like solving cryptography, right, and and creating post quantum encryption and things like that. So I think there's a lot of different key industries that seem to be moving forward than others. But I think it also is going to obviously depend on sort of the software and the hardware developments. Um, Obviously, we're also in a sort of talent shortage and will continue to probably feel that a bit as we continue to expand, which is why books like ours are really important as far as trying to inspire more people to enter this field. Um, And so I think it's it'll be really interesting to see what happens, but I don't have any concrete predictions for you, I'm afraid. Oh, that's all. It's all good. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we've come to the final question, which is drum roll, please. When will the book be available and how can our listeners purchase it? 
Well, we're very excited that um, On the Shoulders of Giants will be available on April 14th, which is World Quantum Day. Um, people who are interested can uh, pre-order today for the Kindle version, the ebook version, and the paperback version will then also be available come World Quantum Day, April the 14th, on Amazon, either Amazon.com or uh, the marketplace that they're served by. Great. Well, thank you. I want to thank... Brian and Kenna, thanks for talking to me. This is a wonderful conversation. I would invite our listeners to follow and connect with both of you on LinkedIn. There are social media channels. You can follow Kenna on Twitter and Instagram. She's Kenna Culture. Brian is on Substack. If you haven't uh, tracked him down there, you definitely should. He writes really interesting uh, pieces there as well. So thanks, Brian and Kenna, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity, Chris. Thanks again, Brian and Kenna, for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with these two distinguished authors. And buy the book if you haven't pre-ordered it. Get on Amazon and sign up. Get a copy. Listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already, and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.